Welcome back to the Hot Mess to Awesomeness podcast, a show all about inspiring smart, busy women to put their happiness at the top of their to-do list. Join your host and life coach, Dion Thompson, as she chats with amazing women who have figured out how to make their happiness a priority, and more importantly, what it's really like to go from hot mess to awesomeness. And now, on with the show. Welcome everybody to the Hot Mess to Awesomeness podcast. I am your host and life coach, Dion Thompson. And today I am here with Cheryl Moore, who is um, kind of like an icon in my community. So if you're from this area, you definitely know who she is. And I'm very, it's one of those things where I've been very aware of Cheryl for years. And I, I feel like I've kind of admired from afar in a sense that I see a lot of parallels to um, my experience and, and I'm almost seeing like she's doing things that I'm like, oh, oh, okay, oh, okay. She, you know, Cheryl comes from a background of science and, and um, education and academia and found a spiritual path that for me as someone who came from, I come from a science background where it was like, if it's, if I can't prove it, then it's not real. And I had this very sort of, boxed in framework of existence. And when I started to uncover my intuitive power, I remember thinking about you, Cheryl. I remember thinking about, um, it was a talk that you had given and you're part of my business community. And I know many of the women that work with you. And I was just like, oh, pretty sure this, I need to, this relationship needs to start to intertwine a little bit more. And, you know, pandemic happened and it made things a little bit different for all of us. Um, so I am so, so grateful that we had an opportunity to reconnect and, and here we are today having this beautiful interview. So welcome, my friend. Oh, thank you so much. Now I said we weren't going to get emotional today, but you're already starting me off. Sorry, not sorry. <laughs> okay. I'm just going to reflect back to you in the mirror that it is like that you two are a soul sister to me. I never think for one moment that the things that you're doing for our community are not equally inspiring. Okay. It was supposed to be like a non-cry fest and it's now I think that's where we're going. <sighs> Maybe we both need to get some Kleenex. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's it's not it's never far. Uh, from, from yeah. you. Can you send that through the screen? <laughs> oh dear. Well, thank you so much, uh, Cheryl. I want to take a moment to read a little something. It is um, one of the most beautiful excerpts, bios, if you will, that I have ever had the chance to read. And so I want to share it now um, because I really feel that it highlights, again, the, the gifts that you bring. And so before we get going, I really want people to know exactly um, what they're in for when they get to hear about your journey. So for those of you that are listening or watching, Cheryl Moore is a seeker, ever searching to deepen her connection to self, to community, and to all that is alive in the universe. She cherishes these moments as a counselor in deep connection with clients, as a healer, empath, and intuitive holding energy for other sacred beings. As a teacher of yoga and meditation and a believer in any spiritual practice that has love at its core. However you engage with her, she offers you the teachings of presence and the possibility of connection to your deepest self. Yes, please. 
I want more of that in my world. And again, um, this is this is just a wonderful day for me. So thank you. Thank, thank you. Day. Thank you for inviting me. I'm super grateful to be here, especially at this most poignant time on the planet. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So we are recording this episode in early December. So depending on when you get the chance to listen, um, kind of know that that's where we're coming from. And um, I'm, we have had some chats about where we are in this moment. And um, as, as a seeker myself, as someone who is, is very interested in the how and the why of things, um, I'm grateful that you're here and willing to share a little bit of your journey that brought you to this place, um, not just as, um, as a professional and a spiritual guide, um, but as someone who is doing everything in your power to maneuver through these uncertain times. Mm -hmm. So Cheryl, walk us through this. What, what, um, what sort of transpired? Tell us a little bit about that journey that you've been on that, that brought you to this place and, and how you followed passions and um, your intuition, perhaps at a time when you didn't even know that that's what it was. Um, I'm, I'm always intrigued by the paths that we walk and um, the, the insights we gain in that process. Okay, perfect. So, um, so thank you again for having me. Before we started recording today, I was laughing about your questions and uh, thinking about how does a person talk about what inspired them to get somewhere? It's a loaded question after 58 years of life experience. And I was teasing you that I feel old. And, uh, I do feel old. I feel like I've packed a lot into 58 years. I don't see age as a bad thing. It's a, it's a, it's a sign of wisdom. Um, and I have lots more to go, although the last year's packed in a little too much wisdom for me. But I do, I, I, I've reached a place in my life, which is interesting when I look back where I recognize now only on reflection, because you know, that hindsight is 2020 thing, that different things that happen in our life are brought to us by the universe for a reason. And in the moment, to your exact words, as I thought about answers, one of those things was, I didn't know I was intuitive then, but the universe gave me that nugget, right? And so I thought as a path of how does a person become a counselor, I would share a few things about uh, my career in terms of life journey that kind of shaped me. So um, I looked back and realized in my heart of hearts, even as a young child, that I just know. So that is what intuition is, that we know without knowing why. There's the faculty of knowing is to know something without explaining why. And to your point of the science mind wanting the why, a big part of being intuitive is to let go of the why. Right? And to trust. So I, I just always knew intrinsically that I wanted to be a helper. And as a child, I, I wouldn't have known the word counselor or social worker, but I wanted to be a helper. And so it's interesting to me that I was guided in my teenage years to the jobs that I did, which first of all was to be a summer camp counselor and not your typical summer camp counselor, but a camp counselor with children with very high special needs like Down syndrome, autism, seizure disorder. Um, so I did that for three years. I started volunteering at 13 years old, and then that became a summer job. Um, my next job after that was working in the dining hall of my local nursing home where I grew up. And within, I don't know, a month or two, I was designated as the person to feed the people with dementia, not just to serve out the trays, but to actually do the care. 
And so I, I think back to those things as what, why did the universe bring me that? And yet at the same time, you know, 15 years old, 16 years old, 17 years old, recognizing the comfort from having such an incredible sense of purpose, which I don't think those are your typical teenage part-time jobs. <laughs> so, um, you know, I went to the guidance counselor to make decisions about where to go um, as far as university and college. And I had different ideas and they, I knew I wanted to help, but in the hands of divine timing with divine guidance and, a t- you know, a teacher who crafted me, they said, you should go to university to be a social worker because that won't narrow you into just this work. It will open the horizon to helping in a number of different ways. So off I went um, to study social work and that path through the courses I chose, through the placements I experienced, uh, took me down the walk of uh, dealing with grief and loss. Um, Again, teachers divinely brought to me. Um, 1984 and my final year teacher was uh, a gay man studying HIV and AIDS and the impact in the community, writing his own PhD thesis out of research being done in California. And subsequent to that, he helped me source my first job, which was at Sunnybrook Hospital, right out of school, 20-something, you know, green, 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 wanting to save the world, first social worker working in HIV and AIDS at, at Sunnybrook. And uh, every single one of my clients I knew was going to die. And there I was walking a sacred walk, being present, not being afraid, which was not the norm of the day, um, learning and growing, being on the cutting edge of something, right? And um, feeling incredibly grateful and blessed. But again, knowing not everyone could do that walk, that, that journey. Um, but it also helped me understand grief in a bigger way. It helped me understand in my practices, it's gone forward that Grief is not just about death and dying. Grief is about challenge and change of which we are faced with constantly. And our Western world does not do a very good job of acknowledging that. But every change we face, whether it's a new job, whether it's a new relationship, whether it's losing the relationship, losing the job, moving to a new town, moving to a new house, leaving family behind, even the positive things we do in life, like getting married or having children, have loss associated with it. In that beautiful moment, we're losing a certain part of our freedom, a certain part of our independence. And so I've come to understand the yin and yang and change and to appreciate that loss needs to be acknowledged and and that grief is more than just death and dying and that there's so much beauty in working through grief in a full and present way, not just, you know, sweeping it under the carpet or having our crazy funerals we have here for a few days and then somehow picking up the pieces and getting on with life. It is a process, right? So, so I became very passionate to help people through the journey of grief and loss. My next huge significant shift, because even then I was not a spiritual person, mm-hmm. not like I am now, um, was into private practice and it's probably going back about 20 years and I began to explore holistic health and I give the credit to that to my clients at the time I was doing a lot of work in brain injury and they were coming and telling me about the modalities that they were dabbling in because they weren't getting satisfaction from the medical world and I became interested in acupuncture sacral uh cranial sacral therapy reflexology and I thought for my own interest I might go take some courses again though to your point thinking 
those things were somehow credible and scientific to me still. Yes. And, and uh, <laughs> there's still a community of papers written in a community. Right? Yeah. And learn about anatomy and whatever. And, and off I go. And, and I have this mind blowing experience for the first time in my life, you know, late, late thirties of learning about meditation, learning about energy work, learning about dream interpretation, learning about spirituality, learning about the soul, because you do not learn that in social work school. You learn the body, mind, heart connection. We understand Mm -hmm. that interaction, but I think it's probably changed today. We are living in a much more progressive world, but spirituality was not discussed then. Um, So that was a mind blower because I started having different experiences and managing my own self, recognizing for the first time in my life how much I was in my left brain and actually how anxious I was because of that. Mm. And, uh, and how much being present, being mindful, being in the here and now, which became the name of my business because I recognize how important that is, how much that could create an opening to other kinds of information, our wisdom, our intuition, our higher self, whatever we want to call that. And that shifted my journey into helping people who are passionate, well, I was passionate about grief, into stop trying to fix people and just be with them in their suffering, create space, honor the journey, and find the meaning because it's our soul that wants meaning and experiences. It's not our body that needs meaning. It's not our mind that needs, it's our soul that can help us to be present in something difficult if we can look to see why is this, ha- there's your why, why is this happening? What is my meaning? How do I grow? How do I become a better person? So, so what is my passion? I would say to you at this point, it's to help people grow personally and spiritually from the most difficult situations that they face in their life. And that is often about trauma and loss, but sometimes it's just about, about change um, And my practice, because of that, has shifted a lot more into teaching, as you mentioned, group support and leadership, not just the one-on-one. I do love to share. I do feel an obligation to share what I've learned. I don't think it's for me to hold. It's for me to put out. I'm a vessel, a conduit of what I learn. Um, and, And it still probably comes back to the basis of grief and loss because I am comfortable walking that walk. And I know not everybody can do that. But, but that's the passion and it's, I'm called. Now I know when I look back on my life, I was called at a young age, but I didn't know that then. Yes. So, so that's what I would say to you. It's probably really weird for someone to be passionate about grief, but, but here I am. <laughs> and I'm very glad that you are. And I think that one thing that has been, the light has been, is shining down on the importance of understanding and embracing the grief process, whatever that looks like for an individual. Um, and you know, the, the one thing that, um, and it came up and it, people seemed almost shocked by the idea of it, but it came up, you know, two, three months into our pandemic and the isolation was, you know, what the heck, what the heck's happening to me. And when, I mean, grief has a, it has a a framework and I recognize that it is not linear, but it does have some pieces that someone could look out and go, oh, I'm getting some more understanding. That's where I am. Because I've always believed that if you know where you are in a process, then you can just relax into that because you can trust that it's, 
it's a process. It's not about, you know, there isn't a timeline. Okay. You do three months of depression and then you do a month and a half. It's not how it works, but just knowing that, okay, if I'm here and I know that this lies ahead, then I can just do the work here. Mm -hmm. And knowing that I can do the work, that there is going to be a movement. I think the stuck feeling so many of us, um, you know, get stuck in is this idea that it becomes our forever state, right? So when we're in it, we're like, I can't do this forever. And it just, and and then we battle against what needs to be done in that moment for fear of it being the forever. I don't want to be sad or angry or pissed off or um, confused or whatever, or wherever we're at. Um, and so, you know, the work that I do as a coach is, is about change and transformation and, and evolution of self. But the, the most integral part is, is the grief. I'm pretty sure 99% of the time, my first conversation with a client is that's grief. And so not a grief expert, but this is the, this, this is the work that needs to get done in order to be able to, to step into that. Okay not just acceptance. I think you nailed the piece that I, I love to um, land on in research is meaning. It, it, there needs to be meaning on the other side of something in order to be able to then take what it was and um, in, like sort of fuse it into who you are so that you can become the, the next sort of state of yourself. I don't know if I, that's not, maybe not the right way to put it, but yeah, your, the next your own version, person. the next, next version, version. Yeah, 2.0, 200.0. Yeah. Um, so, so I'm, I'm so grateful that, you know, you were called and perhaps at a time in our society where you were the, you know, it's not what good girls normally do. Um, you go and you help. Yes. But the, the strength and the capacity that it would take to do that work consistently and then continue to show up to it, um, for yourself and for community. It's, uh, it's inspiring. Thank you. And I know that with your insights and knowledge as it relates to grief, that um, what is transpiring now in the world, I think um, awareness can be a double-edged sword to know where you are fully um, also presents the, you, you know what you have to do. Ignorance is bliss. It can be. So I'm, I'm, I'm wondering how the challenges of the pandemic and how they've come up have, um, how that's impacted you as someone who knows deeply about grief and, and what um, someone must do in order to move through their own process. Yeah, good, boy, good question. <laughs> um, yeah, you, that so you asked me when we chatted originally what you're bringing up now like what's challenging me right now and yeah the pandemic is my hot mess right now it's getting better mm-hmm. um and i want to say that i don't even like that word it's a scientific word i want to say what is my hot mess is the collective trauma that we are all suffering together globally i just it, i'm all goosebumpy that yeah Right? It's, it's the loss and it's the suffering. And what I've learned more about myself in the last several years is I keep learning on my own spiritual journey and finding new teachers and growing and changing um, is that I am an empath and what that really means for me and what I can and can't control about my energy body as a result of being that 
person. Thanks very much for being born a Pisces. And um, that means like, I feel deeply what is happening on the planet. Mm -hmm. So as a small example, when a friend tells me in July, after a month of the insanity we were all experiencing with loved ones in nursing homes and hospitals and being able to visit or not visit and what that looked like and, and the, the crazy kind of rules around that, that her sister died alone in the hospital, which I'm a grief counselor. I want people to have a good death. I've spent a life dedicated to a good death. This is not a good death. And so my friend's heart is broken. But my challenge as an empath is that my heart is broken because when she tells me her small story, I feel that for the thousands. Mm -hmm. And it's not that every single person's story I feel, it's the energy of the earth. It is the energy of the experience of people dying alone. So as I delve into my own left brain, because I do, to understand, um, I'm, I'm moving away from the notion of pandemic and really starting to tap into other sources of information that on the spiritual side that are helping me understand that we are going through a global energy shift. It is a massive shift in consciousness. I prefer to understand this as a notion of what we're experiencing as we shed collective trauma. It's really big and it's really challenging. And we are moving, I believe, away from the dark and heavy energies on the planet that no longer serves us. That includes releasing our dependence on many of the systems and institutions that we've learned to rely on. And stepping into an energy over time that is going to be one of greater personal responsibility. Um, but also, I believe, greater collective unity. That's where we're going. But in the moment, in the here and now moment, when I'm suffering and feeling the grief that we are holding as a dense vibration for each other in this here and now with all the story, anyone could share me a story and I would feel it. In that here and now moment, I have to find that meaning. So my meaning is we're going somewhere. It does not mean I do not get impatient because I do. It does not mean to your point that we like it when we're in grief, when we're in this place. It is not a nice place to be. But I know it's not forever because life is like this. It, nothing is forever. Even the good stuff doesn't last. The bad stuff doesn't last. It, this is the journey, right? Mm -hmm. So I know it's not forever. I hold that nugget. Keeps me going that it's not forever, that we're moving through something. We're processing something. And in the meaning of that, we all grow and shift together. And wouldn't it be awesome if we come out with a greater sense of collective unity in the end? I mean... That's, that's the, the soul needs to dangle a carrot. The, the soul needs hope to get up in the morning, right? That's, we need that. So yeah. that's what, that's what propels me. And, and I think back to my AIDS work, I remember sitting at the bedside when my AIDS patients knew they were going to die. They knew, right? But the soul has this like resilient need to carry on. So they would say to me, like, someday I'm going to go to Greece or someday I'm going to play the guitar. They knew that wasn't going to happen. Right. But that's, that's the dream, that's the vision, that's what the soul needs to keep going forward is to dangle those carrots to give us hope. We need that. So the beginning was really tough. It took me a few months to find hope. I had, I really struggled. I, I went to the dark side. I had to, to your point, surrender 
to the emotion and just be present with it before I could rise to helping other people. I needed to just acknowledge that I'm going to curl up in the fetal position today and have a gut-wrenching ball for the whole entire planet. I'm just going to do it because I got to release this heaviness that's inside of me and do some more research on collective trauma for myself to really understand it spiritually so that I could figure out what to do about that and come back to, I'm a helper. What do I do now? Right. But I had to surrender to my own experience first. Um, so it, it, it's my hot mess and it's still my hot mess. And I'm not telling you every day is a great day, but today is a great day. So <laughs> we're going to be with that. Yes. And we are, I will just say, because you mentioned the word light, we're recording in December and December is a season of light. And I think that probably happened for a reason that we would record it now, because I do feel that shift into the energy of what this time of year holds for us. And there is that the lights coming forward, right? Like we're almost through those dark days. It'll, the lights are going to get longer soon. And we're going to have that back in the sky. And you know, that's my carrot December 21st. I'm waiting for it. <laughs> um, but I do think there is a little bit more of a lift that comes into your heart in December. If you allow yourself to embrace it. And it's been hard this year for me to even want to care about that. Mm -hmm. um, but that's what keeps us going. The light, the flicker, the shine, the resilience, the hope. Right. And so I'm finding my way back there more easily than I did in the beginning because of some of the ways I've been able to help people because of the difference I know that I'm making because I continue to care about the collective. Um, but it's hard work. So it's overwhelming times. Absolutely. You, you said two things. There's sort of two sides of something that I think is super valuable. Everything you said is super valuable, but um, struck me was the personal responsibility in the collective unity and I think as a, as a um, universal shift or that, that shift in consciousness, you know, we, we've lived many a year now at this idea of independence and do it for me and I, I get what I want and this sort of striving to, um, and I'm, I'm all about achieving great goals and doing great things. Um, but along with that, there's this very heavy norm of blame and shame right? The, and the opposite for me of that is taking responsibility for yourself and everything that goes along with you. Um, and the, 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 the other piece of that, um, that unity, that collective, is that by doing that work here inward, then when we connect with others, it's, uh, I, it's like that idea of interdependence, that my beauty, light, awesomeness, when connected with yours, we exponentially grow in a way that we couldn't even fathom. You know, two plus two is 757 at that point, right? And, and, and that's, that's the thing that I'm feeling most drawn to this idea. And yes, I, I use some fun terminology about awesomeness and, but that's my vision of it. So someone who's willing to take that personal responsibility and do the work, the challenging work, the hard work, the the emotional pit type work, knowing that it's not just for me, it's, it's for the collective. I get to benefit. I focus on my joy. And then collectively, we all get to sort of bask in that together. And, and yes, that's and, it. Yeah. yeah. And um, so, so thank you for, as an empath and in someone who literally feels the world, that you're noticing these shifts and that someone who's maybe a little bit new to those feelings, um, 
I think the more that we acknowledge them in whatever way that we feel like we're feeling it, um, and the more attention we give it, the more likely that it's going to just continue to expand and grow. So, yeah. brilliant. <laughs> so, <laughs> because these times have been challenging and have um, sort of pushed you to a space where you you needed to surrender and 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 continue your research and do a lot more learning. Um, wh- who or what are, have you been turning to? to stay motivated, to stay light, to stay moving um, in a direction that feels right to you or that you know is going to um, keep that expansion going. Mm. So I'll speak to the I'll speak to the who only by saying probably who I've turned to is myself. Mm. Um, but in the answer to the what, probably in some very specific ways. Um, I knew I needed help at the beginning. I have to tell you, so, you know, for people like us, you and I, who work one-on-one as entrepreneurs, we were basically told we can't work. That, for four months, did me in. I am a helper. I am in relationship with people. And one by one, every contract I have, the doors are closing, and I am not allowed to show up. And I live in the world of crappy rural internet and I'm not going to say a fear, but a hesitation about technology. So I was avoiding recreating myself and so frustrated and angry and depressed and despaired in in that grief process, right? Um, So I think I had to first turn to myself. I had to turn inward knowing that I have to help, but being frozen and suspended in time, so not being kind of not being given permission to do that. So help myself first, right? But it's like the air, hey, quick segue just comes to me. My very first desire long before I thought I'd help people was to be an airline stewardess. And I think (laughs) about that, I wasn't allowed because I wasn't tall enough. And uh, they had had quite the restrictions then. So um, yeah, I wanted to be an airline stewardess, put on your own oxygen mask first. And so I did that. There I was in my suffering trying to do that, right? Grieving, crying, learning, studying collective trauma. And when I'm in uh, my own place, I got to tell you, there's this process, this objective outside process that happens all the time now because I have that higher consciousness is constantly going, what's the meaning? What's the meaning? That other voice. Mm -hmm. And so these visions start to get crafted, nugget, little seeds, nuggets get planted. And I, I eventually envisioned an online group um, which I call from grief to growth and which would take my spiritual understanding about the medicine wheel earth-based teachings sacredness creating ritual creating circle creating space for women to share I didn't know how I could do any of that online how do you burn incense and smudge on but but I had to figure it out right so okay I can invite everybody to bring their incense we can all do it together (laughs) I had to I had to get creative to create an intimate, meaningful space um, and, and to take this experience that I knew was grief and move it to growth and do it together. Mm-hmm. So I put that out as, a, as an opportunity. Eight women chose to join me. And what I did, we started in June and I created it as a program for six weeks. So it would be intensive once a week for six weeks, followed by once a month for six months. Because what I know in my heart is when we experience something intensely, it's beautiful. But are we going to incorporate it, carry it through? 
So if yeah. we create the accountability and just knowing the shifting target of this, you know, global shift is constantly changing. Can I, can we keep our momentum going? Because we're going to create this beautiful, safe, sacred space yeah. and this connection with this unity with each other as we're suffering. Let's make sure we maintain that. So we, we have one, um, one of our monthly programs left in January and, and, and we'll probably vision board for next year and we'll do it together on a zoom. And again, that'll be weird, but you know, we'll figure it out because, because we have to, it's the world we're in now. Yeah. But I, I want to say in that, in that program, if you will, two concepts I brought to the ladies that I will speak about that ground me is the meditation piece. It's pivotal to my daily life. And is this other piece, which is a bit of a new learning um, that is a clinical piece, but also a meditation mindfulness piece called radical acceptance. And so I'll speak about these as like, this is what's keeping me focused and keeping me going forward. Yeah. I also want to say to you that I've reached a place in my life. I've never been very good at professional boundaries I, because I'm an empath. <laughs> so I have reached a place in my life where I don't want to be in a group process up here. I want to experience with. So I need to share myself, be authentic, be vulnerable, share. It doesn't mean I need to command the attention and be the, you know, the person who's having drama. I don't need my group to take care of me, but I need to share my story to be real to them. And we go through this experience together. So as I help them, I help myself because we're all one. We're all one, right? Everything is a mirrored reflection. So, so the two nuggets that I bring to that experience weekly and then monthly that is pivotal to my day-to-day -day, how do I focus and survive this chaos is the learning that I came to with my meditation I I have to have that practice in my life and I do it in two different ways my left brain practices things that are more mindful like how do I stay present in this moment and wash wash the dishes and be with washing the dishes Right, right. Here, not here and here. Right, <laughs> right. That, that's a practical, mindful way to be present in your day-to-day -day experience. Um, my right brain, which is my spiritual side, that is equally, if not more important to me now, craves the connection to the spiritual, and so I might call that part of my meditation practice what some people might call their form of prayer. Mm. And so. That part of me, that style of meditation is the part of me that taps my higher voice or whatever you want to call your God source. Maybe it's your angels or guides or angelic forces or ancestors, what, whatever we think that is, that collective consciousness, that part of me asks for help every day. Because again, in the place of we're all one, I also know we're not alone. So I can be mindful in washing the dishes because my body and mind need to do that and that keeps me grounded. But I also need to remember the higher vibration of connection to each other and to something bigger than each other. That's pivotal. And so I teach a lot of that in all the classes I do now, my intuitive development classes, my meditation classes. How do we, how do we define what that is? How do we tap into it? Because we all do it differently and there's no one right way. And how do we make sure that we are engaged in drawing what we want into our being into our energy, which is to put those thoughts out and ask for the help, right? Or some people will say even affirm the help is already here, right? Don't leave it as a question, just affirm it and then trust that, that you're answered. So that's key. But the other piece that's been interesting and it's a new learning for me because we're always learning 
is, uh, is something called radical acceptance. I, I, I will not do it justice clinically because I'm only just beginning to learn about it. And I actually had a guest speaker come to the group to speak about it. I have to give credit to um, Marsha Linehan, who is the clinician who developed radical acceptance as a mode of therapy. Um, but it is, it does come from Buddhism and it does come from mindfulness and it is a way to manage our thoughts and it is a way to ask ourselves, where do I want to put my energy or my thought? So I'm going to give you a very specific, it's kind of like a pick your battle. So I'm going to give you a very specific way that I use it in the pandemic. So as I come, came to understand it. So prior to understanding radical acceptance, I will say to you that the information coming at us about this virus is overwhelming and confusing to me. It is bombarding, it is nonstop, it is ever-changing. And the more I take in about that, the more overwhelmed and confused I am. And so in the engaging of that with energy back and forth through text or email or however with friends, right? Like I created crazy drama. So I'd be like, someone would send me something. Did you see this today? And my response would be, oh my God, I know it's so crazy. It's so, how do we get, it's so overwhelming. That's not what they said yesterday. Right. And I would go into the spin, the, the hype, the stress, the emotion, and create this crazy drama, mm. right? I, which does not serve me and did not help me. No. And, and which I can do nothing about, right? So if I can take something in my present life, and radical acceptance is only for our present life. We don't apply it to the past or the future. It's a, it's a present moment strategy. So if I can say... Yes, I radically accept that the information around this virus is confusing and overwhelming. That's a constant, because it is. I radically accept that. Yep. And there's something about the word radical that <laughs> makes me pay attention. <laughs> Definitely has that feel. Yeah, I, don't, I actually don't really like the word acceptance, because in grief work, I'm not sure we ever accept anything. I think we reestablish and we find new normals, but I don't usually buy into the word acceptance, right? Right. But the statement that I radically accept something, if I say that to myself, I radically, so then when the, when the energy comes from the friend or, you know, that I can go, yeah, the information is overwhelming and confusing. Like, I radically accept that. It's not something I can control. So then what happens with that, if I radically accept that, and I don't want to give energy to that drama, then if I can stay calm, I can say, so what do I want to do with that information? that it's radical, overwhelming it. So what it means for me is surrender in the moment to whatever my reaction is in the moment. And just like a true grief journey, every day is a new day. So in that moment, today I say, I radically accept this information is overwhelming and confusing. That might mean I'm gonna curl up on the floor again in the fetal position and fall my guts out because I just can't take it anymore. And I'm going to surrender to the release of the emotion because it's going to make me feel some relief. Another day I might say, okay, this doesn't make sense. I'm going to feed my left brain. I'm going to get onto uh, the computer. I'm going to do my own research. I'm going to get more information. I'm going to find out for myself what I believe. I'm not going to allow other people to tell me what I believe. I'm going to search and choose and find my alignment because I'm an information girl. My left side is strong on information. Another day, it might be, you know what, to hack with all of this, I am phoning a friend, having a glass of wine, diverting myself completely, not thinking about all this chaos at all. And I'm just going to take a break. Or maybe it's a walk outside or whatever. I'm, I'm diverting. And if I just listen every day to what I need to do 
to surrender, the energy goes into that, into not into, oh my God, this is crazy and confusing. It goes into what am, what's my action to manage how that feels for me in the moment. And I'm channeling productive coping for myself. And I'm going to look back and step back a bit here, Dion, to say, and add it, how that has served me as I look back now, you and I talked about this, that my previous hot mess, <laughs> my previous hot mess was probably the death of my mom five years ago. And um, I just acknowledged her fifth year anniversary last week. And um, that was probably the most pivotal experience of personal grief that I've had in my life. And it hit me blindsided because I thought I knew everything there was to know about grief. And I gave her an amazingly beautiful, good death. And we had all kinds of awesome closure. And I thought I would be okay with that, but I wasn't. I was a mess. The emotional impact of feeling that sense of being an orphan, not having your mom anymore. What does it mean to process it? Now I'm supposed to be the crone in the family, the wise one, take on that role, not have the mentor, like all the stuff I was processing. And missing her so much, going to depths of despair I did not think were possible, and learning for the first time in my life to surrender, to not try to fix myself, to be in it, and to know, as you say, that actually I can, I can have this crazy meltdown and I will survive. Because my mom comes from the generation where you don't take the cork off the bottle. My mom comes from the generation, which is what I grew up to believe, which is totally counterintuitive to being a counselor that you don't go there. You, you know, stiff upper lip, you know, Protestant work ethic, very British, kind of that repressed, hold it together for John, right? So I was taught that if you take the cork off the bottle, like you, you might end up in the, in the sanitarium, which of course in the old days, what happened to people? And so the fear to just surrender and not know if that would take me into some place I wasn't going to get out of, but I couldn't fight it. I had no control over that level of emotion except to go there. Mm-hmm. And from going there, I learned, first of all, that I actually wasn't a very good grief counselor. I'm going to tell you that. I also learned that I wasn't a very good friend because I thought I had all the answers. So I said all the right things. I found myself, because until we walk in the shoes, we don't know. We don't. I found myself phoning my friends and who had lost their moms and apologizing. Say, I, I didn't know. I didn't know. And that helped me with my healing to connect with them. But I but in being that mass, I did come to the other side. So I know now if I need to curl up and do the gut wrencher, I'm gonna come to the other side. So that's a great gift five years later from losing my mom to know the depths of despair I could go to, which I'm feeling now globally and know that this keeps happening and the relief comes and yeah. And then we go back, we're angry again, or we're, but this keeps happening, right? Right. The river flows, the river flows and, and it keeps happening. So I want to be in control of choosing though. So if I radically accept that the information's overwhelming and confusing. I can choose today's a day to surrender to my despair. Today's a day to take action and feed my left brain. Today's a day to divert myself and eat the popcorn. I can choose. And so that radical acceptance piece, it's been phenomenally helpful in keeping me from going into the energy of thought I don't want to go to because we all know, right? Energy follows thought. The same with emotion. It Law of attraction, 
What we think and feel is what is going to come back to us. So if I go into the spin, I'm just going to get more spin. Yeah. If I go into empowerment and I go into choice and I choose to surrender, that's empowering. That's a choice. If I do that, then I get more empowerment. I get more choice, right? So that I'm grateful to my mom for teaching me. And I'm grateful to my girlfriend who decided to be my guest speaker. And I'm <laughs> grateful to Marshall Lanahan for what is a new learning for me. Yeah. Right. But it is a mindful learning. It's like in this moment, I radically accept what do I do right now? It's still mindful. It's still present. It's not about what happened yesterday or what's going to happen tomorrow. So that, that living in the moment piece and pulling myself back to it. I'm not, I'm not good at it every minute of every day, but pulling myself back to it. Right. That is my salvation. I love that on so many levels, I have um, come to learn the terminology of radical acceptance. And I've noticed that there are certain things in my life that um, I didn't have a label, but I felt like that was sort of what I needed to do in order to move forward. So that idea of like, well, what are you going to do about it now? I feel like that's the thing I say to my children all day long. I see that this is happening. I understand that you're having feelings about it. And it, here we are in this moment. What, what would you like to do about it now? Like wh where are we going to head from this moment? And applying that to some things that we feel are so big like I'm, you know, I'm talking to my kids, are you going to put on the, the purple socks or the yellow ones and you're having a meltdown because you can't decide? Like we, we can just pick one and see where the world takes us. Um, but when we're talking about something that feels bigger than us, and then just to go back to your point that it is us because we are all connected and we are part of this, we are the bigger thing, that we are not um, each functioning in a vacuum independent of each other there there is the, the that connective tissue and so that when we choose to take action no matter how big small when we choose and we are empowered to do something that there's that ripple into that bigger thing I think it's so brilliant and I'm so grateful that um that that entered into your life so that we got to have this conversation and the, the one we had previous to it where my brain was literally going pew, pew, pew. Um, <laughs> I was like yes that's exactly where it is so grief is part of all transformation and I love that you earlier had touched on um, even when the great things happen because there's a loss of what once was whatever that was it could have also been great right so you're moving on to something awesome doesn't mean you left something crappy and that you know, it, you could have left something still pretty good. And so there's, there's the release of what once was in order to be open to radically accept what is now and so that you can move forward into what you could become. Charlotte, I'm yeah. just freaking love this. <laughs> it's making me so jazzed up. Um, I'm very excited about grief right now. I'm finding that it's a little bit interesting. Um, <laughs> Grief is a transformative energy if we if we choose to under, and that's the meaning if we choose to take that on if we if we're willing to go there. So I'm I'm like kind of, I'm all buzzy and tingly right now, and I'm 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 wanting to know what are what is sort of lighting you up through all of this because there is the the that pendulum swings and then you know yes there was some dark but what what is something that you are really sort of proud of 
that you've gained or that you've experienced through through the past 10, 12 months, let's say? Um, yeah, okay. <laughs> so that, I'm gonna give you kind of probably an odd answer to that too. <laughs> but, uh, okay. I think, the thing that I'm most, I think the thing I'm most proud of is that, um, and I'm not, I haven't completely mastered this, but I am learning to let go of my ego. I am, um, or to keep her in check. Let's say if we can keep her in check. <laughs> I'm learning to be authentic with me. I'm learning that I haven't figured it all out. I'm learning that um, the internal judge voice I have that is my ego does nothing other than beat myself up and put expectations on me and other people that are not of service. So I'm learning to let her go and not have to have all the answers. Be the I'm the oldest. So my, you know, I'm driven by overachieving responsibility. Like you say, the goals, forget it, forget it. I'm learning to just be, be in the moment, be authentic with me. What do I need right now? Get her out of the way. She's, she's a little bit of a force. So, so letting go of that ego, trying to be more in my soul, in my essence. And the other thing I think is, um, remembering what it means to be a student and remembering the importance of being a student of life and putting my student hat on every day. And I've done that in the past, but that is again, what I've had to do in these last eight or 10 months is um, to, to be curious, to be open, to search, to do the seeking, like the beginning you said, I'm a seeker, to find the resources, to remember, I don't have it all. This is new. It's new for all of us. None of us knows what, what the heck we're going through right now. Yeah. Um, and to recognize, I'm more and more aware of this, and I'm really glad I catch myself now. I'm more and more aware in big, huge pieces of change in life that my internal core beliefs also fundamentally shift. Mm. So who I once was or what I believed internally and externally shifts. And it takes being a student to be willing to, to shift. It takes putting the student hat on because in these last eight or 10 months, my beliefs about a lot of things as I've come to do more history and research about the world, about economy, about government, about authority, about power, about what I thought I could trust and what I don't trust anymore, huge shifts in my belief. And that's where it's come to that place, like I said to you before, personal responsibility. I'm, I'm, I need to be in charge. Um, it's hard to describe that when your core beliefs shift so much. I went through that with my spiritual awakening, if you will, 20 years ago, having had no exposure. So, so coming back to, cause I tell my, I tell my clients all the time, embrace life as a student. And so I'm proud of myself for being able to do that, for being open to the journey and the learning and the growing that is coming for myself personally, as I recognize that I'm evolving into the next version of me. That is brilliant. And I, I just want to say as a firstborn girl, um, thank you for acknowledging that we're sort of in this, we have a club and, <laughs> and that club includes a lot of, you need to have the answers, you need to take control, you need to put things in order, you need to make everything just so. And it actually, it came up in a chat we had yesterday about, um, you know, that is one of the gifts is that all of us, um, it doesn't have, you don't have to be necessarily the firstborn, but the, the person in the dynamic and in, in all the relationships you hold, when, if you feel like you're the one that's holding it all together, that this has given us permission to just be who we 
want to be, who we are meant to be, and just be in that moment. Um, and, and, we, and that idea of being curious, it kind of goes counter to you're supposed to have all the answers. So, you know, if I'm already have all the answers, then I don't need to be curious because there's no other answers that I need. So, but that's not, it's not reality. And so being open to asking questions about yourself, about the, what's going on around you, about, you know, being willing to shift your model of the world. Um, because the, the thinking of the past that I have the answers, I'm in control, I've got, here's my little thing, kind of works like, like Teflon on your brain, right? So nothing else sticks and everything just slides off and leaves you. But now we're, we're really in this open state of like, what more can I invite in and integrate? And per, some of it will leave again because I'm like, hmm, that is, that's not for me. And some of it will, will cause a morphing and a shifting, like you said, and our belief systems start to evolve as we gain this new information. I really personally believe that there is nothing more beautiful of the human experience than being able to learn and like truly, truly learn. And that comes from being willing to like be open to things that do not at all match your current model of the world. Beautiful conversations, um, interesting information, um, you know, the, uh, that idea of like social capital, right? So being willing to engage with information or people who don't hold the same mindset as you do so that you can just be open and learn and be curious about that. Yeah, absolutely, Dion. And I would say to you, as I listen to that too, like just coming back to the grief thing that, you know, the transformation and the learning comes from, from that. And truthfully, you know, there's a Chinese proverb that says from crisis comes opportunity, right? The thing is, we don't learn if we don't have pain. We don't. If we were just enjoy happy floating along all the time, that, that might be nice for a while. Right. But why would we want to change it? Why would we want to change it? And why would we grow or reflect or delve in? Or why would we do that? I, I think that our, our learning comes from the painful stuff. And so that's the gift of it. That's the gift of grief is, like I said about my mom and what, you know, that's the gift of it is that there is learning and, and then we rise up to find more of our full potential to be a better person. I think if we were happy and joyful all the time, although right now I'd be happy for that for a long while. I think actually eventually life would probably be kind of boring. Mm-hmm. You know, Absolutely. it is, it's the, it's the up and downs that brings the beauty and the momentum and the, so, you know, that whole wheel that keeps going. Um, so yeah, the, the learning, the student, the curiosity, it's all part of the grief if we embrace it. So Cheryl, um, do you you have another one of your grief to growth groups happening? Is that like you said, you're coming up to the last session with, um, with your first group. Is that something that you're taking on or is there anything else that you are um, moving forward with come the new year? Yeah, hundred percent. Thank you for that. I absolutely, um, the ladies have certainly encouraged me to do it again. Um, they want to invite people. I'm open to expanding it. I know how powerful it's been for us. And I'm sadly clear that the collective shift, AKA pandemic is not going away anytime soon. So we, we need this, we need this connection. We need this sacred time. We need sharing space. Yes, I am definitely doing it again. 
I am looking, how I did it last time was I did sort of a freebie session so people could tap in, watch, see what it's going to be all about and then decide for themselves. Mm -hmm. um, I will shoot for that for mid-January. I don't have an exact date yet because I'm working out all kinds of Zoom things now. My hubby and I are teaching yoga on Zoom. I have requests to teach my intuitive development, which is a six-week basic meditation practice from spiritual model, also online. I am going to have to learn to embrace technology because in this shift, we're moving into the age of Aquarius. That's a whole other conversation, but it is about rapid expansion of technology. And so I have to get with the program. Um, but that's beautiful because it gives me the opportunity to um, have more people from broader you know, arenas geographically to be a part of the experience. And so I will, what I would say to you is if people feel called to want to either learn just basic meditation from a spiritual place, um, I hope to offer both of these as those segue six week programs. January is a beautiful time because it's a new year, right? It's also winter and winter is a time when we're doing our deep reflective cocooning work. Yep. So it's a great time to do that deep dive stuff. Um, I would just ask you to maybe throw up my website um, yep. in your link with your podcasts and people that are interested can reach out to me. I'll get them on the email list. And when I'm ready to launch those uh, starter free, you know, mini classes so that they can check it out and see if it works for them. I would be delighted to have your support on that. It, we need this constant growth together. We need the collection. We, it serves me so much personally because yes. I know I'm here to be of service to others. So 100% I'm going to do it again. Brilliant. Brilliant. I absolutely, there will be a link, there will be connection and, and depending on when it is that you watch this uh, or, or tune in, um, there may be dates and everything ready to go. So um, thank you, Cheryl. Thank you so much for your insights, your wisdom, your willingness to, um, to, really talk about what it's like to be in it and really know what's happening, right? So many of us are in it and, and don't have that knowledge of what's transpiring, but your, you know, um, your capacity to be in it and also be the observer and, and use your sort of in tandem, the left brain and the right brain. And, and um, it, it's, it's so important that that perspective be shared so that those of us who are going through it, um, you know, it's not just academic and, and it's not just someone else's experience. It has, it's really that, the, the, the both pieces. So thank you. Thank you for being here with me and for doing everything that you do. And I'm so grateful that you are literally part of my community uh, down the road. Although, you know, we, we don't see each other physically at the moment. Um, when that happens, this is gonna be, we're gonna do some great things. I'm pretty excited. <laughs> awesome. So thank you. Thank you. <laughs> and and thank you everybody for tuning in and for listening. And if you are interested in connecting and get being part of this hot mess to awesomeness, this grand conversation that we are having, then you can pop over to the awesomenessacademy.com and become a member. Um, it doesn't matter what level of membership you want to join in on. You can tap in and, and share your thoughts and ideas in the podcast chat. And I would love to see you in there. So thank you, Cheryl, for being with me today. And thank you everybody for, um, for joining us and have a wonderful day. Thanks, everybody. It's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you, Dion, so much for the opportunity. And uh, I would just say to everyone that's listening, put your student hat on, 
Mm -hmm. We're going to get through this. Stay open, stay curious, be prepared to shift your beliefs. <laughs> it's going to be a beautiful light show on the other side. Thank you, Dion. Thanks for tuning in. Hope you enjoyed the show. Join Dion again next week to learn more about what you can do to go from hot mess to awesomeness.